0: For our call of worship this morning, we're going to use a responsive reading. Um, It is on the orders of service. It will also appear on the screen. So I will say the words appear on screen in yellow and you are invited to join in with the words that appear on the screen in white, which I think are in italics on the order of service. They're in dark. So you've got this bold print on the order of service. We'll get there. This is the place and this is the time. Here and now, God waits to break into our experience. To change our minds, to change our lives, to change our ways. To make us see the world and the whole of life in a new light.
1: To fill us with hope,
0: joy and certainty for the future. This is the place, as are all places. This is the time as are all times. Here and now, let us praise God. And on this beautiful spring morning, it seems very appropriate to sing a hymn of praise that celebrates creation. O Lord of every shining constellation, if you're able, you are invited to stand with us as we sing. we come to God in prayer together and after I've led us in prayer we will join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. God, our Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer, on this spring morning we have come together once again to offer our praises and prayers and to listen for your voice speaking encouragement or challenge as we seek to live out our faith day by day. In this week, when votes have been cast that will determine the shape of local government for the next few years and in which campaigning, spin and counter-spin about matters national and international can leave us bemused and bewildered. We remind ourselves of the constancy of your love and of your timeless promises of another realm here on earth in which justice and peace are fully expressed. In this week, when many enjoyed a public holiday... Whilst others have worked long and hard in countless different ways, and in which love and laughter, anger and tears have been part of the rough and tumble of everyday life, we remind ourselves that each of us is made in your image, and that together we are the body of Christ in this place. Your hands and feet your eyes and ears, your voice speaking truth. Grateful for the many blessings we have freely enjoyed, conscious of the ways in which we have fallen short of our own expectations, and dependent on your grace, mercy and love. We join our voices with those of the first disciples and of Christians throughout the ages as we pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. So if anybody watches the television programme, would I lie to you? A few people, that's good. So this is not going to be totally into the dark. For those who are unfamiliar with it, it is a programme in which people make statements and the other team are able to ask some questions and then they have to decide if it's true or it's a lie. I've tried to get some volunteers to join me in this. I've got one volunteer, which is great. Other people said they didn't have any funny stories, which I actually don't believe. Um, So we're doing a slight variation on it. So this is the example. So what's going to happen is a statement will be made with three things by me, and you are allowed together to ask up to three questions, and then you have to decide, and this is where it's more complicated than the TV programme, they're all true. None of them are true. Some of them are true. So here's the example. I have conducted weddings in the following venues. A cowshed, a library and a hospital ward. So you're allowed to ask me three questions to help you to decide which, if any of those, are true or false. Wendy. The cows had been let out of the cow shed, but you could still smell the cows, yes. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes.
3: Where in the country was
0: the cow shed? The cow shed was um, near Coldstream. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. How did you keep the muck off of
2: the bride's dress? <laughs> well,
0: thankfully, that one wasn't my responsibility, but she did have to hitch it up. Okay, so you have to decide whether those are true, false or a mixture. So anybody want to volunteer? Emma? Yeah, Yeah, they are in fact all true. Um, I conducted a wedding in a cow shed on a farm because it had been due to be in the garden of a farm cottage and the fog came down, the heart came in and you couldn't have seen past your nose. So the cow shed that had been swept out for the reception suddenly became the venue I did Lena and George's wedding in a library at the um, Faculty of Procurators, is that the correct title? I keep forgetting the name. And I did a wedding in a hospital ward at the Beetson. So yeah, those three are all true. Okay. So this is the first real one. I have at different times been given the following as Christmas presents, a broken ornament a packet of out-of-date coffee and a book with pages missing. Yeah, totally true. <laughs> Anybody want to ask any questions about any of those? When did you discover the pages were missing? Well, this is going to sound really embarrassing, but actually when I got to the point where they weren't, because <laughs> they were sort of towards the middle of the book. It was a book, of, a, sort of a funny cat book and I was reading along and then... It didn't make sense. Sorry, Carl.
2: How old are these?
0: Do you really want to know? Four years? (laughs) Was (laughs) your
2: ornament repairable?
0: No, it wasn't. But it was given to me by somebody who was this big, so I kind of had to keep it. Okay, what do you reckon? (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: okay, so people thinking some are true. Which, which ones do you think are true, John? The, if you think the first two, the broken ornaments and the coffee. Uh, somebody said some of them over here as well. Andrew? I don't
2: buy the four years of coffee.
0: You don't buy the four <laughs> years of coffee. All, all three, I think. You think all, th- all three? They, actually, they are all three true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to have a music round now with a bit of help from Paul. I have conducted funerals where these pieces of music were played on the way out. So we're going to hear three pieces of music that may or not have been played on the way out of funerals that I've conducted. They
2: ask me how I knew My true love was true When I was young, I used to wait on the boss and give him his plate and pass the bottle when he got dry and brush away the blue tail fly. Jimmy crack, Jimmy crack Corn and I don't care. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. My master's gone. I'm
0: Anybody want to ask me any questions? Heather's straight in. Was the smoke
2: getting your eyes at a (laughs) crematorium?
0: It was. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Have you ever
0: conducted a funeral of a cricket fanatic? I have indeed, yes. Was the deceased a cricket fan? Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's the same question. So one more, yeah, but probably couldn't hear it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> very much, very much so. Actually, since you ask, um, yes, at the back. Do you want to, somebody at the back? Wants to ask something? No. One more, quickly. No. Okay. So, are they true, false, or a mixture?
3: True. True. False.
2: I mean, who thinks?
0: Okay. Which ones do you think are true? Those who think it's a mixture. So you think. The cricket one's true. Do you think the blue tailed fly is true? And some people do. And some people think smoke gets in your eyes is true. Okay, there are two that are true. Um, The blue tailed fly, which was played at Stockport Crematorium when a family had forgotten to check which CD was in the box they handed over. (laughs) So I learnt a lesson there, always to check the CDs. And um, Soul Limbo, the test match theme, was played at the funeral of a Barbadan, very strong cricket fan in Leicester. Yeah. OK, we're now going to have a guest round, uh, which is Merit's. It's not actually
3: a funny, really, it's a question. <laughs> um, I have been a judge at competitions of the following. A ballroom competition, a sword fighting competition, and an archery competition.
0: Were these all at
2: the same venue? No.
3: <laughs> Luckily they weren't. Are you an archer and a fencer yourself? I am indeed. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. What class of
1: fencing
3: uh, it's called HEMA Historical European Martial Arts, so I was judging a longsword and a broadsword competition. What dances <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: so we'll, we'll take that last question from
0: Joyce. What judges were you what dances did you judge in the ballroom? Um, I judged
3: both ballroom and Latin competition. Um there were the quick step in the walls for ballroom and the cha 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 and the jive for Latin.
0: Okay. So, what
3: do you reckon? Okay, what is it? What are we going with?
0: (laughs) Sounds sounds like some think it's all true and some think a mixture.
3: Um, The first two are true. I've judged um, sword fighting and boardroom, but I've not judged archery.
0: (laughs) This is the last one. Uh, the photograph is not my car Um, I I have got a photograph of my car somewhere but my car was actually two years older than that and dark blue I once owned an Austrian metro called Molly and during the time I owned it, it was rear ended by a white van, hit by a runaway horse and towed away because someone thought it had been abandoned (laughs) so questions about Molly the metro what do you reckon? Any, any questions you'd like to ask me about those? The license plate of my metro was C470NVV. did um, you abandon car I didn't abandon it. I was visiting some friends in Derby and I parked my car outside the front of their house but it was a very busy street so it was about three doors up and the next door neighbour objected and phoned the police.
2: Under what? policy did your insurance company cover the horse
0: <laughs> I actually chose not to claim on that one but perhaps I should have done then I might still have had my metro to this day <laughs> was the, horse okay? the horse was fine okay what do you reckon are they true or are they false or a mixture, mixture. mixture. a mixture which one do you think is not true uh, horse. 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 yeah horse. OK? Um, I have all had all of those happen to me when driving, but the horse was, did not hit Molly in the Metro. The horse hit my saxo. So, but the, <laughs> the other two um, hit uh, Molly and the Metro. Well, Molly the Metro was hit by a white van and was towed away because somebody thought she'd been abandoned. OK, it's all a bit of fun. It's great to have a bit of fun. But it's just to get us thinking about the fact that sometimes it's not so easy to work out what is true and what's not true. And actually, sometimes things are nearly true are harder to distinguish from things are blatantly false. So difficult sometimes to think about truth and falsehood. And this is a little bit of where the grown-ups are going to be going today. I don't know quite what the Sunday school are going to be doing, but that's fine. So I've tried to pick a a song that's going to kind of lead us on from where we are now, I think. Jesus, the teacher, welcoming children. Thanks, Paul.
1: Testament reading this morning comes from Esther chapter 4 verses 1 to 17. When he learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, wherever the king's command and his decree came, There was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and, sent, and gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death, only if the king holds out the golden sceptre to some one may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for thirty days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, "Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews." For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything Esther had ordered him. Our New Testament reading is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 46. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and all and had all things in common. <coughs> they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved.
0: Thursday just gone we cast our votes in the local council elections here in Glasgow and indeed throughout Scotland and large parts of these islands people were making their votes in a month's time we'll be casting our votes in a UK-wide general election and all of this is taking place against a complex backdrop of national international and global political expression <coughs> some of which leaves many, if not most of us, perplexed, anxious, uncertain and even afraid. We may feel very small, very powerless and very voiceless, unsure what to do for the best and potentially, as a result, doing nothing. However, we voted last week... And however we intend to vote next month, we may or we may not like the outcome. That's just, unfortunately, a fact of life. And it is tempting, and I hear it a lot after every election, to point the finger at some group of people who are apparently to blame. People are blamed because of their age. People are blamed because of the country they were born in. And all of that is destructive. It creates tensions where tensions need not exist. It challenges the diversity that we claim we celebrate. And I'll be very honest and say I get quite prickly when people make assumptions about how I will vote because I'm English. Actually, you don't know how I'm going to vote. Nobody knows how I'm going to vote apart from God and the ballot box because I don't talk about it. And I do spend time when I'm in England getting very defensive of Scotland and time when I'm in Scotland getting very defensive of England because actually neither country really understands the other. So I'm just naming that as who I am as I come to share some thoughts this morning. Lots of ministers avoid talking politics or even things vaguely political in church. And I kind of understand that because it is a risky business. You can be misunderstood or you say something you thought was okay and it causes damage that you never intended. But there are ministers, and I know some, who will stand up in the pulpit and tell their congregations how to vote. I've even met people who've told me they asked their ministers how to vote. Please don't ask me because I'm not going to tell you. But one of the things I really love about our church is its diversity. And that extends to our, our political opinion and political affiliation. I certainly know we have got people in membership in our church who are in active membership of several different political parties. And I think that's a good thing. And we certainly have people who vote for even more different political parties. And that's probably a good thing too. We don't tend to talk much about party politics. And I think maybe that can be wise because we don't want to offend or upset each other. But we do from time to time talk about issues, complex issues, and recognise that it's not always easy to work out our response. And that I think is good. When I was a teenager and first beginning to experiment with political ideas, my dad, who was one of those working class, died-in-the-world Tories, told me I was a communist. Not in an official sense, because my views weren't informed or aligned with those of any communist great, but because in my simple world, everybody should be treated equally everybody should be paid the same and everybody should have access to the same things. It seemed pretty logical to me. Perhaps at least subconsciously, because I'm slightly young for this, I was influenced by John Lennon's song, Imagine. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Perhaps that's a pipe dream. My parents certainly thought it was. But you know, it's not so very different from what we as Christians traditionally imagine as the kingdom of God or the jurisdiction of God or the commonwealth of God or whatever language we prefer to use which transcends geographical or socio-political boundaries and is characterised by peace. It has been argued by many Christian theologians that our primary identity is never Canadian or Nigerian or European or North American, but actually as people of God. And if we recognise that, if we own that, that affects our very being. Because actually that is inclusive rather than exclusive. It values people over nation. It sees the good or the potential for good in everyone. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. To me, that's not so very different from the new heaven and the new earth, which is envisaged in Revelation. So perhaps we should turn to scripture. The Old Testament story of Esther is dramatic and bewildering. A powerful, capricious, insecure and easily manipulated leader rejects Vashti as his wife and via an appalling beauty contest selects Esther to be her successor. Haman, a scheming advisor, then convinces him to do away with Esther's people, the Jews. And learning this, her uncle Mordecai implores her to act, saying, Maybe it was for such a time as this that you are in this place. To compare our situation to that of Esther could be very unwise, because we are not under threat of death for who we are or for what we believe based on our nationality or our Christian faith. But at the same time, we are, as are people of all faiths, a minority in a society where the values that we hold very dear risk being eroded or altered as powerful leaders. Even the very best amongst them are differently motivated. Maybe for the big C church, this is a time to speak and to act. Maybe for us as a local church, this is a time for us to remind ourselves who we are in Christ, what our core values are, and then to work out what it means to live them transformatively where we are. Modelling as best as we can, because we're human and fallible, the kingdom of God for which we pray week by week and of which we are mysteriously already part. The very brief account we heard from the book of Acts shows what that looked like for one small Christian community in the first century in the Middle East. The believers pulled all their material resources and worked for the common good of all of them a challenge for us is not to sell everything and put the money into a big pot don't panic but it is to think well what would be an equivalent 21st century community following Jesus what might that look like what might we look like if we have that kind of model in mind when you came in, you'll have found some pieces of paper on your chairs. Um, one of them has the title This Is the Time, which was produced by the Joint Public Issues team of churches working together for peace and justice. I've mentioned them many times before, so I'm sure you'll remember that this is a coalition of Baptists, Methodists, United Reformed churches, and the Church of Scotland. And they work together to think on very complex issues. And this one is about how we might think in relation to the upcoming general election. I'm not going to work through it and talk to it. But what I say is based on it. The response of Brenda from Bristol to the news of the June general election. What another one? was certainly echoed by many other people. Whether it's voter fatigue, boredom, frustration, suspicion or fear, there are many people who are disillusioned by or disengaged from politics. We know that we need councils and governments. We know that there are complicated factors to weigh up in order to order society well and to ensure the well-being of all people. But often, we can feel very powerless. Maybe, a bit like Esther, we fear ridicule or rejection if we speak out or act. Maybe what we need is an Uncle Mordecai to come to us and say, maybe this is a time. one of the great Christian truths that trips from my lips, sometimes a bit too lightly, I suspect, is that everybody is made in the image of likeness of God and so has intrinsic worth. I do firmly believe that, but how does that play out in daily life? As I choose the words I speak on a Sunday, in the deeds I do, the choices I make in life, and in my voting. It's really easy for any of us to think, well, this is best for me and mine, for us and ours, for my family, my city, my nation, and blow the rest. If we truly value inclusivity, and I Genuinely believe as a church we do. And if we genuinely celebrate diversity and we certainly do our best, then there come tough questions about whose interests we're serving. Our own, because they make us feel good. or those of others who don't have a voice. When we come to make our choice for voting... How much do these factors inform our thinking? It's easy enough to want the freedom to do and be what we want to be and do. But what about other people? A few minutes ago, we played a rather daft game of would I lie to you? It actually worked better than I dared hope because it reminded us that it isn't always easy to distinguish the truth from lies, and that half-truths and misrepresentations can be incredibly plausible and convincing, and whilst the truth about my four years out of date bag of coffee clearly was unconvincing. j the Joint Public Issues team is one of many Christian organisations, including, for example, Christian Aid... BMS, our own Poverty Truth Commission, who challenge the prevailing narrative and ask hard questions. When we had our away day, one of the things that really struck me was something that came from the group looking at justice. A reminder that we should question everything. When I was training for ministry, one of my theology teachers used to call this a hermeneutic of suspicion, which I never quite got because it's kind of a bit posh as language. But question everything. Don't just believe it because I say it or because somebody else says it. Of course, we haven't got the time or the energy to research every single issue. I get that. But all of us can research and understand some things, some issues maybe this is a time for Christians to rediscover our prophetic role in checking out the facts, challenging the distortion, the exaggeration, and the manipulation of data as and when we recognise it. I'm sure if I say the date the 11th of September 2001. You'll know what happened. But do you remember what else happened that day? A press officer working for the Labour Party sent an email that would cost her her job, saying, essentially, it was a good day to bury bad news. Whilst what she wrote was utterly appalling, especially in the face of the 9-11 tragedy, it actually indicates to us something really important and that goes on to this day. Big issues, however important, however tragic, can lead to us overlooking other issues because we don't hear about them. there is a danger that politics, whether it's UK-wide or here in Scotland, becomes focused on single issues. And we may as well name it, at the moment most notably, the withdrawal from the EU, the European Union, that things like health, education, welfare, immigration and human rights get overlooked or sidelined. maybe for us as Christians this is a time to think about the values and virtues that scriptures commend to us as worthy of priority and apply those to our thinking and our acting who are the little people, who are the voiceless, who are the marginalised the prostitute sinners and tax gatherers of our time In recent weeks, we've heard a lot about having a government that is strong and stable, as if that is inherently a good thing. There is something, isn't there, about remembering our history? The Roman Empire was strong and stable. The Third Reich was strong and stable. The USSR was strong and stable and so we could go on strong governments with strong leaders conjures up images of individuals whose determination or charisma can lead to unquestioning obedience actually it's a trap we can fall into as christians as baptist christians churches say they want strong ministers A strong diaconate who will tell us what to believe or what to do. We don't have either particularly a strong minister or a strong diaconate in that sense here. I love what our managers say. We're called managers because we manage. We get by. We do our best. And that's a much more scriptural understanding. Leadership in scripture is characterized by vulnerability. Provisionality gentleness and humility and of course in Jesus these are experienced most perfectly expressed but as we hear the stories in the bible of good flawed leaders they too generally have these characteristics maybe this is a time for us to reflect again on what makes for good leadership and good governance and work on those And then lastly is a reminder that it's not just for now, not just for the next few weeks up until the general election and then we can forget it all for five years, hopefully. It is always the time for Christians to live out our values. It is always the time to do justice, to love mercy, to pray for our enemies, to feed the hungry, to welcome the stranger, to visit the sick. We dream of a society that is the kingdom of God. We strive to be a church where all are welcome. This is a time as are all times. This is a place as are all places. Now and always, let us live our values. As I was reflecting on this material this week, I wrote a litany, which we're going to use before the next hymn. A litany is a kind of a prayer in which there is a a short sentence and then a constant repeated response. Um, It may appear on the JPIT website, because I did send it to them, because I thought, well, hey, what the heck, I'll just be unhumble for once and, and share my things more widely, so Mordecai said to Esther, maybe it's for such a time as this. The response to this litany is simply, this is a time. So I will say something and then we we'll join together in saying this is a time. Um, it has a rhythm which will carry us through. Let us pray. For God's people to pray for wisdom, this is a time. For God's people to take courage, this is a time. For God's people to speak truth, this is a time. For God's people to expose deceit, this is a time. For God's people to make their voices heard, this is a time. For God's people to face new challenges, this is a time. For God's people to be a transforming presence, this is is a time. time. For God's people to do justice, this This is a time. time. For God's people to love mercy, this this is is a time. time. For God's people to walk humbly, this this is a time. time. For God's people to be peacemakers, this this is a time. time. For God's people to seek the common good, this is a time. For God's people to live our values, this is a time. For now and for always, this is a time. Amen. And now we're going to sing, Jesus Christ is waiting. Mm
3: Prayers for others are adapted from Iona community prayers for justice and peace, and there is a response. Um, When I say the words, your kingdom come, you're invited to respond, your will be done. (coughs) Here and now, among us, beside us, God is enlisting the people of earth for the purposes of heaven. Let us pray. Lord God, because Jesus has taught us to trust you in all things, we hold his word and share his prayer. Your kingdom come, your your will be be done. Where we waste food and squander water, While Christ says, I was hungry, I was thirsty. Your kingdom come, your your will will be be done. Where presidents and powerful men claim their policies have heaven's blessing. While scripture states that God is for the poor and the powerless. Your kingdom come,
0: your your will be done.
3: Where women who speak up for their dignity are treated with contempt or violence. Your kingdom come, your your will will be done. Where men feel they have to act tough because they've not been allowed to be tender Your kingdom come Your your will be done done. Where Christians seek your kingdom By building up their own church At the expense of others As if Christ had come to create barriers And not to tear them down Your kingdom come Your your will will be be done. done Wherever Christ calls us, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord God, you have declared that your kingdom is among us. Open our eyes to see it, our ears to hear it, our hands to serve it our hearts to hold it. For you have created us for such a time as this and we cannot keep silent. (coughs) This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: loving God, we have brought these gifts of money, planned giving, spontaneous giving, gifts that cost us a lot, gifts that cost us a little, and you accept them all, and we ask you to help us to employ them wisely for such a time as this. Amen. as we prepare to meet around the Lord's table, we sing together for your generous providing which sustains us all our days. a place where Jesus invites his friends to remember his life. This is a time when Jesus' friends recall his death. This is a time and this is a place. Here and now we anticipate the heavenly banquet prepared for all. Time was running out for Jesus. The authorities had their spies everywhere, watching his every move, trying to trap him with word games and impossible questions. Knowing this, he made plans for the Passover meal. The coded signal of a man carrying water. The borrowed upper room away from prying eyes. The familiar prayers and psalms, memories and stories. This was a time for him and those he loved best. This was a place where, however fleetingly, they could be safe. This is a story for all time, for our time, for this place, and for all places. The Apostle Paul recorded it like this. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We follow the example of Jesus in giving thanks. Let us pray. God of all times and all places, we give you thanks that we are able to meet openly and without fear to share together. God of this time and this place, we give you thanks for the bread and wine and all they mean to us. May our nourishing nourish may our sharing nourish our souls and strengthen our faith for we pray in Christ's name Amen In an upper room among friends Jesus took a loaf and broke it and shared it. And in this upper room, we who are his friends will take this bread, share it, and remember. And in that upper room, among friends at the end of the meal Jesus took a cup of wine and said this is a new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins we will retain our glasses that we may drink together a sign of being the body of Christ in this place gratitude, in faith, in hope and in love, let us drink and remember. Christ has no body but ours, no hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands. Ours the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Christ has no body on earth but ours. No hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but ours. Amen. This place and this time. From where we are to where you need us. From the security of what we know. To the adventure of what you will reveal. To refashion the fabric of the world. Until it resembles the shape of your kingdom. Because good things have been prepared for those who love God. Jesus lead us on for this time for all time.